Would you please open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 3 as we begin. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. I'm just going to read verse 9 for now, which says, How can we thank God for you? In return for all the joy we experience before our God because of you. This is a question I've been asking myself about you all. And the answer I've come up with so far is keep it going. Keep it going. I'm going to pray. God, we love you so much. And we praise you, Lord God, because we know that you are faithful to persevere and to persevere us in faith in you and in love and in peace. And God, we don't know what the turning of a new year on our calendar that we made up means in your courts, Lord God, but we entreat your favor on the next 365 days, and, and, and we reflect on all the ways in which you showed up in the last 365 in ways we might not even realize it, Father. So would you allow us to slow down, place everything from this year at your feet, not, not, as, not as us escaping from it, Lord God, but you molding us by it, that we would continue on. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Who has recently been anywhere that you were really excited to go? Anybody? Uh, A couple people. Good, good. A few of y'all. I remember the first time I ever left the United States. I was in my 20s. And I didn't grow up getting on a lot of flights and all of that. So I remember we were, my, my, my wife Malia and I had just gotten married. And so we went on this trip that we had planned to the Dominican Republic, which I love. All right. I grew up a lot around a lot of the Dominicans, and I really love their cuisine, their culture. I've always appreciated it. And so I was going to this place, and I was just OD excited like, about everything regarding this trip. I'm like, this might have been like the second flight I had ever been on in my entire life. And I'm going across the pond, you heard? This is about to be crazy. So we... I'm saying we got in the car, we're heading to the airport, I'm taking pictures of Malia, taking pictures of myself, like, yo, this is about to be crazy, bro. We're going to the DR, you know what I'm saying? We <laughs> got to the airport, I'm taking pictures of everything. I mean, gate A27, like, when am I gonna, when am I gonna look back on that photo? Like, when? And remember how we waited like an extra 30 minutes for no reason? Like, that was a good time. We land in the DR, and I'm taking photos. I might have it of, like, just grass. Like, they don't got grass like that in Jersey. I'm saying, well, I'm from. That's some nice grass, you heard? That is nice grass. It's nice grass. The next one, I'm taking photos of, like, little beans and stuff on the beach. This was before I was on. I did not have an Instagram. I'm not trying to be an influencer. I was just amazed, you know? You could tell I had never been nowhere before. <laughs> nowhere. Don't let me go nowhere. Amateur traveler, for sure. But then I fast forward a couple of weeks ago. I'm in an airport I won't mention the name of, amen? And I'm in the middle of the country, United States, and 
I'm just like walking through the airport like, this place is lame. The layout could definitely be better. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't, I don't even know how to get out of here, but I can't wait to get out of here and go home. You know what I'm saying? And you let me tell it, Newark is the best airport, but um, <clears throat> right, right, from Jersey. Right? And uh, I'm in this airport and I, I'm like just complaining about it, like, like legitimately mad. Like, I don't know if, if you know me, like I'm actually mad. Like those of y'all who know me well, you know, like I'm actually like annoyed, like for real. <laughs> I'm like, I hate this airport, bro. <laughs> I'm gonna get out of here. And I wonder for me, like, when did that switch? When did I go from, and I haven't been on the most flights ever, so this is not a flex by any means, but when did I go from being amazed at the simplest of things along a trip to being a complainer and grumbler along, like, something I used to never be able to do that I now do sometimes, and it just has become so normal to me. And I think part of it is just pride, but deeper than that, there's a sense of me that always wants to appear as an expert in everything. I just kind of want to be familiar with the special thing. And, this, and when we do that to, to show my expertise and my experience, I'll grow in indifference toward that thing. Because amazement makes me look like an amateur. I don't want to be an amateur traveler. I want to be an expert traveler. And so I'm a complain about the airport because I know how really that, you know, they could have done it better, kind of like this other one where the gates are like this and blah, blah, blah. I'm complaining now. I'm indifferent. I'm apathetic to something that used to be special to me. That used to be special to me. And the thing is, we take that into our relationship with God. And I know I'm not alone in this as well. We do this, especially those of us who are from around here. We have this whole, like, Who's more from around here Olympics that we, we play this game? We play this game. We do. We do. You're not more from around here than me. <laughs> Some of us, maybe in this room, have made it, made disliking Times Square our entire personality. <laughs> like, it's the only thing about you, you know? <laughs> like it's, it's that you, that is the core of your being, disliking the place where people from across the globe like save up all their life savings and travel to so they can stand in the middle of all the lights like, wow, (laughs) you've made disliking that place the core of your being. And we pride ourselves on walking around Midtown like, get out of my way. I would never, I would never stop to look up at the Empire State Building. (laughs) Go to the Empire State? Why would I do that? That's what tourists do. I'm not a tourist. I'm an expert. And I'm from around here, okay? We don't go, dude, we don't go to viewpoints and admire buildings and stand. We don't like Times Square. Get out of my way. I'm not a tourist. I'm an indifferent expert. And we take that into our relationship with God, all of us. Even, even the non-Christian in the room. You've maybe even come to this very conversation because this year might have been a little weird or somebody has dragged you in or maybe keeps dragging you here and, and you oblige them. I mean, there's some good brunch spots around the corner, so it's a win-win for everybody. There's no strings attached. You come through it like it is what it is. They don't know what they're talking about in there. And, and you come in and you got your philosophy minor and 
you understand the things of Descartes and Socrates and Michel Foucault, and, and you know the philosophy and theology of things very well. And, and so, so much so that you could never see yourself accepting the claims of the Bible. That's just too, I know too much. And maybe you've dabbled in crystals or Dzogchen, some other ambiguous spiritual practice that you may or may not know is actually just Buddhism. And, and you come into this conversation even listening to me right now, like what could I possibly actually have to learn with this indifference that is blinding you from seeing what you can't even see yet? But also the Christian in the room, we approach God with this, 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 this indifference, this apathy, this, oh, we're just so used to the Christmas story, like Jesus was born again. Yay, for the 50th time in my life. I've heard the story a thousand times, and it's just not special to you anymore. The fact that God decided to come to the world and dwell with us as a baby, like that doesn't rock you anymore. It's like whatever. And if anything, you don't even like the Christmas season no more or holiday season because it's just like everything is just too on. The Q4 goals at work are unrealistic. Everybody's on vacation. Like what are we doing here? Everybody's, come on, no deals are getting closed. No projects are getting completed. Let's all go home. I don't even like this. And, and your expectations from the kids are unrealistic. Like, come on, man. We're not doing all that. You ain't even say thank you. You got seven Christmases to go to for their family and my family and our family and that party and this party. It's just too much. You don't even like it anymore. You just want it to pass by indifferent, apathetic to the whole thing and what we're even celebrating, what we're even thinking about. But here's the thing, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who is this very special Christian and biblical figure, was amazed. He kept this sense of amazement here in 1 Thessalonians 3 that we see, and, and, and this deep into his life, it's important that he's still amazed at the things of God and before I read, I'm going to back up to verse 6 and read for you real quick. Before I read, I want to tell you a little bit about why he was amazed. He was amazed because he was just with the Thessalonians. He was just there. And so he wrote 1 Thessalonians, which is the first of two letters to the church in Thessalonica, this little community that was just started. And he wrote to them because he was just with them. He was just with the Thessalonians. He just started this brand new church two or three months into it or so. And he gets ran off from Thessalonica by people who don't like him. Right? So he has some ops come around, run him off from Thessalonica. And so he's laying low in Corinth. But he's worried because he doesn't know how it's going anymore. Like, are they still following Jesus? Are they safe? I mean, he knows that there's this really like, influential Roman cult, really Roman spiritual cult in Thessalonica that they were all actually a part of before. And so it would have been easy to just go back to, that, to the pressure that's surely there. He doesn't know what's going on. And he didn't have Instagram, so he couldn't just like pull up their page and be like, oh, it's lit. No, they're doing all right. <laughs> he had to actually go, but he couldn't. So he sent one of his members, he sent Timothy down to Thessalonica to check on them. And he came back with a good report. Like, they are staying faithful. They're 10 toes down in Jesus. You heard? Like, they are they're faithful. And he's amazed at that. And so he says in 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 6, 
But now Timothy has come to us from you. Remember, Timothy was just with him. He sent him and he came back and brought us good news about your faith and love. He reported that you always have good memories of us and that you long to see us as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and affliction, and it's not quite clear what was distressing and afflicting him other than that he was very anxious about their their state and circumstances. But in all of our distress and affliction, we were encouraged about you through your faith. For now, we live if you stand firm in the Lord. That's deep. For now, we live if you stand firm in the Lord. He's saying like the report about you staying faithful to Jesus despite everything going on around you is giving me life. I am in awe and amazement. And this is important because this, we're talking about Apostle Paul amazed. We're talking about a dude who literally saw Jesus face to face. We're talking about somebody who has performed and seen like physical miracles of God done, amazed. We're talking about Paul, who the, the, the scholar, esteemed scholar, who should know better than to be amazed at things. We're talking about Paul, yeah, who has planted many churches. He's done this time and time again. Start a new community, start following Jesus. God causes and stirs up a special thing, and he goes on and does it again. But here he stops and again. Just see it. God done done it again, and he is amazed. He leans into the spirit of a tourist, not away from it, in regard to the things that God has done in him and through him and in others and through others in their communities and the communities that he has touched. He keeps the sense of awe about what God has done. So much so that then he says in verse 9, How can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experienced before our God for you? I'm so happy at this report, at what you all are doing because of God. And I just, how do I even praise God enough? How do I thank you enough for the joy that I'm currently experiencing in God because of your faithfulness? And he answers that question in the middle of his question in verse 10 when he says, As we pray very earnestly night and day to, one, see you face to face, and two, complete what is lacking in your faith. To see you face to face and complete what is lacking in your faith. Essentially, Paul says, how do I praise God enough? How do I thank you? By keeping it going. In thoughtful presence. This idea of thoughtful presence, being around to complete what is lacking, to keep going in faith, in good works, in these things that God has caused and God has begun that they would be completed. Thoughtful presence. Speaking of thoughtful presence, does anybody know what the most commonly requested and commonly given gift every year is. You can shout it out if you. I hear money. 
Socks, candles, okay. I heard somebody say, it might have been a child that said it first, a gift card. It is a gift card. The gift card. It makes up over 55% of our gift spending in America every year. The most common gift. And I can't hold you. I like getting a good gift card. I'm saying, give me a gift card to the right store. You don't know what size shirt I wear anyway. I'm saying, why are you? Just give me the card. I'll go get it. I'll go pick it out. I don't want to have to do that whole shuffle. I like to get a good gift card. But I don't like giving gift cards, though. And I got to be honest, I did give some gift cards to some people that I really do love through this Christmas. You know, I just ran out of time. I'm not going to hold you. And, um, but, but that kills me to say that that's true because, again, I like gift cards. It's not that they're bad, but to me, it doesn't show the thoughtfulness that I actually have toward them. And I'm just like, ah, I wish I had the time and the wherewithal and my... I wish I had spent my time more wisely to be able to show you right now in this moment how much I think of you. But I didn't. Just gave you a gift card. And, uh, but Paul says, thoughtful presence. Thoughtful presence. And that's what this whole Christmas season is about. It's about how God decided to have thoughtful presence among us on this earth. How God didn't show indifference to our circumstances and our situations and our mess. In fact, God stepped into the messiest of messy places in a manger. In Jesus, we see that God didn't gift card. God gifted Christ. And, And in Jesus, we see that God is truly God with us. That God, the God of the Bible, the the God in whom all hope resides, Jesus, the one in whose presence just like exudes healing from his robe, my God, came here to have thoughtful presence among us, to heal and to save forever, and first decided to rely on the thoughtful presence of others Because he didn't come as a champion warrior, though he is one day. No, first he came as a baby who needed breast milk and diaper changes and to be burped. He first came in a manger as a baby like God. The one who holds all the waters of the ocean in the cup of his hand, not even the whole thing, just the cup, Isaiah 40, came to visit us. And so we are also called to have this thoughtful presence, those of us who are in Jesus, but not just like being around for being around sake, not just being around and be like, oh, that's my friend, you know what I'm saying? Oh, that's my pastor. Not being around just to be around, right? Paul said, I want to see you face to face to complete what is lacking. To help you grow. No, it's not easy to be around to complete what is lacking. And here we see Paul isn't saying that his joy and his desire to be with them face to face has anything to do with how easy it is to be around the Thessalonians. 
No. To complete what is lacking. He didn't say, I want to see you face to face so that we could play cards, even though I'm sure they, I'm sure they played some spades or spades. I guess in that time, I don't know what they would have done, but had a good meal. I'm sure they had a good time. But the purpose to complete what is lacking in honesty and in growth in Jesus together. And so I ask you too, like, what is lacking in those around you? And can you be honest about it? On your block, in your community, what is lacking in Harlem, in Journal Square, at Teaneck High School? Like, what, what is lacking and what can you reasonably do about it unto completing what is lacking in others and in your community to the glory of Jesus? And listen, I don't want to assume everybody's in a position where you can jump up and do something special right now. I know some of us, 2023 has been bonkers. You've just had like personal loss after relational loss after rejection letter just piling up, losing friends, family, in a season you didn't think you'd find yourself at all. After eviction, after lie told about you, and you just don't even have the energy to, to tell them what the truth is anymore. And you're just like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> what, what do I do from here? And not only do you not want to have thoughtful presence with some of the people in your life, they'd be lucky if you ever come around again at all. Maybe there's some people you're just disgusted with. Or maybe you're that person that you're disgusted with because of some of the things that you've seen or encountered or maybe even decided this year. Don't let the apathy that struggle often brings blind you from this fact. In faith in Jesus Christ, the God and creator of all things has a faithful and real presence in your life to bring completed peace forever. And maybe you're on the flip side. Maybe 2023 has been lit, right? Maybe it's been, it's been a year, you know what I'm saying? Like maybe you just saw the best financial year you've ever seen or maybe best relational year you've ever seen. And it's only going up from here. Maybe you just finally found the one and they met your whole unrealistic list of things. They told you it was unrealistic, but look at them now. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe you've reached a new season in your marriage, and it's been a tough one, but now you're like, yo, things, y'all look at each other like things are actually good, like we might actually make it, for real. Don't let the indifference that success can often bring as well blind you from completing what is lacking, because here is the thing, we are called like Paul to remain in this constant, like childlike awe about what God is doing, right? Jesus said it himself, Matthew 18, 3, unless you turn and become like experts, 
you will not enter the kingdom of God. Now, he didn't say that, did he? No, no, no. He said, unless you turn and become like children, unless you keep this, not, not this, is not the indifferent expert that inherits the things of God. It is not the expert in the kingdom of God that enters the kingdom of God. It's the amateur, the one who needs God. It is the amazed, the one perpetually in awe about what God has done and what God is doing so much that they are moved to be like him in the places in which he has grounded them. There was this family in Spain who had this like really nice painting on their wall and the wall of like the main house in their living room. And they had it on a wall there in the same place for generations. I mean, I'm talking centuries, like a long, long time. And they just found out two weeks ago that there's an original painting from the Renaissance period, 1600s, by Sir Anthony Van Dyke himself. Just by the name, you know the painting is fire, right? Like, and he was the artist for the British royal family at the time. And very well-known artist in his own right, and he painted this, this work, this project entitled The Presentation of the Baby Jesus to St. Barbara. And they just found out two weeks ago that this thing is worth millions. It's probably going to wind up in a museum real soon somewhere. And they haven't released photos of the painting either. And what I'm assuming is probably out of shame for the condition that the painting is probably in after getting slapped and spat on by toddlers for, for generations and generations. And I always wonder, like, yo, how does that happen? Like, because that be happening. Like, people, people be, like, having st- It's not uncommon where, like, someone's like, oh, I had this thing in my head. I didn't even know that old thing. And it's, like, worth like five million dollars, like it just was this special, you just didn't even know, like how does that happen? And when I think about it, I'm like, if you think about it, the, the first person in that family who had that painting probably got it when it was painted by Sir Anthony Van Dyke himself. Like they probably knew him and they bought it or were gifted it as a very special gift. It didn't just, they didn't just randomly stumble upon this special painting. Like somebody knew what it was, how special it was, and also had a sense of how special it would become and how valuable it would become. But over the course of time, they pass it down. And, you know, we just get so accustomed to having the nice things. Everything's kind of all set up and the trinkets and the wall hangings and all the special things that are among us. And, and we just forget the value over time. This indifference slips in and we no longer understand the goodness of the things and the gifts that we've been given. And here's the thing about indifference in our life with God is it's not abrupt. It creeps in slowly, consistently, over time, where the things God is doing in you and in your community and others around you just isn't special to you anymore. And, and it creeps in. And, and if we're not careful, it will just subtly but surely choke out our ability to fully encounter the presence of God in our lives. Renaissance, don't do it. Renaissance. What has happened in this community and is happening in this community 
is not normal in the best way possible. If you don't know what I'm talking about, please stick around long enough over time to see it. What God has done in this community is not normal. It is nothing short of amazing, an incredible work of God. Do you know that? Keep your sense of awe about what God is doing and will surely do through this here community. It's not normal. And here's the thing about the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is not normal. And the most abnormal thing about him is that he put on skin and he came to visit us. Would you too stay abnormal? Stay abnormally in awe about what God has done in you and around you. Stay abnormally, thoughtfully present to complete what is lacking in Harlem as it is in heaven. And then Paul prays in verses 11 through 13, this prayer, which is also my prayer for you all. And I hope that when you think of us, it would be your prayer for Eden, Jersey as well. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone, just as we do for you. May he make your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Amen.